It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. Jackalope carnival. Hi, I'm Becca. Hi, I'm Eric. Welcome to episode two of season two of Jackalope Carnival, a bi-weekly podcast. This season, Eric and I promise to continue our sideshow of stories that explore the fringes of history, human belief, and let's face it, bad puns, possibly in poor taste. Um, <laughs> yep, I got that covered. I, I, I'm, guess, I'm speaking for Eric when I say he promises, but I'm pretty sure. So um, last episode we covered cats and um it seems like there's a common belief that there are just two types of people in this world so i have to ask dear listeners are y'all cat people or dog folks Mm. which is really funny because now that we think about it like i'm obviously more of a cat person than you are but i like dogs well, I like cats, but I've pretty much had dogs the majority of my adult life. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact opposite for me. I like dogs fine, um, but I'm I'm really a cat person at heart. I, I mean, I like animals in general. Yep. Same. Um, although, really, I'm not thrilled with my raccoon stalkers mm. outside, but we don't have to get into that sad story. <laughs> no. no, let's not. Yeah. <laughs> what? Let's not. Let's set that for another day. So, yeah, I want to pet all the dogs. I love dogs. Like I said, I do like cats. I've fostered cats. But, you know, dogs are goofy and fun and they like to go on long walks. So for me, that's the perfect companion. And so this episode is the second part of our two-parter on animal lore or animal spirits, the companion piece where we discuss, as I said, my perfect companion, dogs. So this is all you uh, because, again... (laughs) This is all me and all cats was Eric. Um, But, you know, I fostered animals for several years here and assisted at adoption events through the county animal shelter. I think I talked about it last episode that it's harder to place black cats and we had a lot of luck taking them to the now defunct Pagan Pride Festival um, because they are more understanding of black cats, you know, getting kind of a bad name and you know last episode also eric talked about folk beliefs or common beliefs and colloquially black cats get a bad rap they're synonymous with bad luck don't let a black cat cross your path etc and so some people don't like black cats very much because of this So I was aware of that. I'm sure everybody else was too. But what I wasn't aware of is that black dogs actually have a harder time getting adopted for Hmm. similar, but maybe less well-known reasons. So have you heard of that, Eric? I had no idea. Nope, that's brand new to me. So I hadn't until they told me. And so what I didn't know is that one was brand new is that black, the black dog is a euphemism for depression. I have heard that because I know that that's what Winston Churchill referred to his depression as. Absolutely. And, you know, when I I thought, you know, that Winston Churchill had coined it, but while he popularized the phrase, it seems that this predates him. And um, it was used by a prolific English writer named Samuel Johnson. And Johnson lived in the 18th century. 
And he was known for writing a lot of different things, but one of the things that he wrote was the Dictionary of the English Language. So he didn't write the first dictionary and certainly not the last, but the one that he wrote was in use for about 150 years as one of the most common dictionaries. Hmm. Um, I think he got knocked out by the Oxford Dictionary. Not a bad run. Yeah, so um, he wrote and he wrote also of his depression or as they called it then and i prefer this word his melancholia <laughs> oh you know i love that i know it just sounds more beautiful melancholia yeah i'm i, I'm, I want to wear wear a ruffle shirt and like drink absinthe while i talk about my melancholia well, maybe not absinthe it's <laughs> pretty bad for you but yeah um and so he writes this and this is one of the first known instances of being talked about as a black dog. And he writes the black dog, I hope always to resist and in time to drive though. I am deprived of almost all those that used to help me when I rise. My breakfast is solitary. The black dog waits to share it from breakfast to dinner. He continues barking except that Dr. Brocklesby for a little time keeps him at bay Night comes at last, and some hours of restlessness and confusion bring me again to a day of solitude. What shall exclude the black dog from a habitation like this? And this is from a letter to Mrs. Thrale in 1783. Is Dr. Brocklesby like a brand of gin or something? I think it might be his doctor. I, You know, good question. I'm going to have to research that. I'm like, Dr. Were, were leeches involved? Uh, pro- probably 18, 1783, probably. So, and this was toward leeches? the end of his life. Oh, um, oh, but- oh, we already, we're only like five minutes into the show and we already have depression leeches as your band name. Uh, uh might be, but there's another one I, I can think of coming later. Cause okay. there's another, uh, treatise that I will be reading from. And I'm like, yeah, that's a band name. I, I was want. thinking like flaming lips cover band, the depression leeches, <laughs> the depression leeches. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Uh, I can finally sing my Millions of Leeches song. All right. (laughs) So, you know, and this idea of of the black dog as depression, like you said, you had heard of it, um, but it can be pretty easily found today. I was kind of looking for some examples. Um, The WHO has a video about the black dog that is depression. And so there are other of these, but that tells us that, you know, it's pretty common around the world to be used in that way, at least in English speaking countries. And so while embodying a depression in the form of a black dog maybe is helping people to talk about impression, it's definitely doing no favors for black dogs themselves (laughs) Um, by playing on some more ancient ideas that black dogs are somehow otherworldly or even sinister. They're left-handed? Yes, sinister, left-handed. Sinestra. Honestly, Um, I I think that cats are more likely to be left-handed, doesn't it? I'm making that up. I'm saying random words right now, but that feels true. Eric, I I mean, I hate to tell you this, Mm -hmm. but cats don't have hands. (laughs) Darn it. Well, that (laughs) really blows that whole theory then. Sorry. (laughs) I don't like to correct you, but. (laughs) Well, I can't argue with you against this time. This time I can't. You win this one. (laughs) <laughs> so um you know that it's it's something that that people know about you know johnson and churchill were both english and in them talking about this black dog in this way makes a lot of sense in some ways because the legend of the black dog the spectral black dog is deeply entrenched in english myths and legends 
folk history and religion. And it's not just England, in a lot of Northern Europe, so in Scandinavian countries, in Germany, etc. You can look back and find it in pre-Christianity. And I'll touch on that today, but honestly, this could be like a whole semester of stories of the black dog. Um, hey, maybe one day I'll teach that. But it's, hmm. uh, in, you know, in, in modern times, they still continue. And some of these are black dogs as guardians. Some of the stories, um, a lot of the stories are of minions of evil, bad omens, and some even as a psychopomp. So I thought I'd let you explain what a psychopomp was because I know you want to. I do. Yeah. Uh, psychopomp is one of my favorite words in the English language. Not because of, okay, that's that's got to be the most pretentiously gothy thing I've said. <laughs> Melancholia and the psychopomps. <laughs> Two bad names for the first. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot this time. <laughs> that again, that would be a cover band. That would be like a Susie Sue cover band, actually. Um, smashing, smashing pumpkins. You think so? Thank okay. you. Yeah. Fair enough. Although they had melancholy, Kalia and the Infinite Sadness as their melancholy, their album. Yeah. Um, but that they aren't like the most melancholy band, though. Anyway. No, no. Uh, wow, we're getting knee deep in Gen X music here, folks. But what on earth were we talking about? Psychopomps. Okay. Yes. No, I just I, I like I like really um specific words. And psychopomp is one of those words that has a very specific usage. Um a psychopomp is someone that accompanies a soul uh to the abode of the dead or the hereafter. And so if you study religions or do cross-religious comparisons, um, you can start to look at different traditions, ideas of the psychopomp, or what are the things that will take souls to the abode of the dead? You can think of like Karan, did I say that right? Yeah. The ferryman. Right. That takes you across the river sticks. How do you pronounce that? I don't know that I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah. I have Welsh words to pronounce today, so you're <laughs> so, just on your own with that one. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we've already established that neither one of us are like very good at the Greek mythology. But yes, and there's there's others, and I, I sounds like you are uh, on your way to talking about more. Even I mean, I'm touching on it briefly, but yeah, just yeah. that that's one of the ideas of black dogs. Um, more common, and this is more common in the more recent folklore. So I'm talking like within the last 500 years, um, is this idea, and and before, but is this idea of this demon dog. Um, the Bargast, actually, Bargast is Northern England, specifically in Yorkshire. But, you know, tales of black dogs are so common in English folklore that every region has their own, you know, menacing hell beast. And the Bargast is, like I said, mostly called this and other things within the, the northern part of England. And I looked at Encyclopedia Britannica's description because I love it. It's a monstrous goblin dog. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I I can tell you I never would have thought of the word goblin dog. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's a really evocative phrase. I like it. Yeah, I like it. So it says it's an, a monstrous goblin dog with huge teeth and claws that appears only at night. It was believed that those who saw one would die soon after hmm. while those who only caught a glimpse would live on but only for a few months <laughs> oh my so these so, aren't necessarily psychopomps these are more like death omens no i mean there's all sorts of different so we'll get to the psychopomps but but the most ones have to do with omens or evil um specters got it so i've been to yorkshire 
disappointingly, I did not see a spectral dog or maybe good thing because um, I lived many here. years after yeah. that trip. But, um, you know, it didn't have fiery eyes, didn't have the ability to teleport, all those things that one wants in a um, holiday. But I did see the fattest squirrel I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That too is a harbinger of something. I don't know, harbinger <laughs> Not of sure obesity. what exactly. Right? <laughs> a harbinger of obesity. So um, this squirrel, like it was, yeah, it was huge. I couldn't, I did feed it. So I contributed to the problem. But so I can attest that there are some unusual creatures there. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you'll start seeing stories. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Enough on my squirrel. I could talk. I was once chased by squirrels in Washington, D.C. that wanted my sandwich. And this lady was like beating them off with her purse to help me because I was running. Anyway, I was so, literally there for that because I went with you to D.C. This is back yes, in a yes, years you ago. did. But yeah. I had stepped away to go get like a knish at the at the. You were somewhere. I think you were getting paperwork or something. I yeah, and remember. like I came back, and like you weren't at the, you weren't at the. No, the, I was running from those things. But you left your bag. That's the funny thing. And like they so were, you, your they bag were was sitting me. on this bench, and like I had to track you down. And I'm like, Becca, what happened? And yeah. you like just point to the bag, and the bag is moving, and I just died. No, they um, yeah, these weren't like fat happy squirrels. These were like DC squirrels. Oh, you got mugs. You got squirrel mug. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're in little squirrel gangs. But anyway, um, so you let's enough like about we dog, digress. You could have used dogs, a dog protector, talking dogs. protector there to like chase these. I needed a I needed away. a a black dog. Um, but when we're talking about these creatures with their glowing eyes and their spectralness, um, the feeling of doom, this omen, it might start to sound familiar. It might be because you read. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm. who was said to have been inspired by folk tales where he wrote his uh, spookiest, I would say, Sherlock Holmes novel, Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, definitely. I love that. And um, yeah, and here's the, the quote, a hound it was, an enormous coal black hound, but not such a hound as mortal eyes have ever seen. Fire burst from its mouth. Its eyes glowed with a smoldering glare. Its muzzle, hackles, and dewlap were outlined in flickering flame. Never in the delirious dream of a disordered brain could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived than that dark form and savage face which broke up on us out of the wall of fog. So, yeah, that nice. sounds pretty much just like the goblin dog they're talking about. Um, and, you know, this isn't a coincidence. Um, according to an article in The Independent, which is a UK newspaper, Doyle was influenced by a young journalist named Fletcher Robinson, but also his own aversion to dogs because Doyle did not like dogs and probably grew up hearing stories about this somewhere. I'm also not going to lie. I had to Google Dewlap when they said his muzzle hackles and Dewlap were outlined in flickering flame. I so, actually thought that I loved the fact that we're using the word Dewlap because I learned it from teaching about iguanas to children when I did that job as a summer job. Yeah, well, smarty pants. Iguanas use their Dewlaps to attract mates. Imagine not knowing cats don't have hands, but knowing what a Dewlap is. <laughs> Hey, you know that trip to D.C. you tried to convince me you saw that nun with go-go boots on, right? Anyhow. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Dewlap. That's our word of the day. Uh, maybe you knew it. Maybe you've shown children parts of an iguana. But what is a dewlap, Eric? Way to make that jump sound weirder than it was. <laughs> <laughs> Innocently, a dewlap 
is a flap of skin beneath the chin that hangs down. And reptiles uh, do lap, or at least in lizards, I guess, uh, do laps are usually like in males are fairly large and they're used to attract mates. Yeah. Well, like cuddly bunnies have them. My dog, as she's getting a little older, <laughs> she's starting to get a little. Um, I hope yeah. I don't get a dewlap. I don't want one. <laughs> they call that turkey neck in humans. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So honestly, I read this particular story when I was about 11 and it was a little too spooky for me. And, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, maybe things are starting to sound pretty familiar, too, with the dogs. And I think they will even more so when we start talking about them as a guardian. One of the legends that really, really stood out to me of all of the different legends of black dogs was one called Old Shuck. Oh, okay. Um, And this one stands out. Um, He... He would be a dog that roams around East Anglia and all of the different places in East Anglia have tales, but one particularly stood out because it was written in 1577. And so having a written account is particularly interesting. Old Shuck has those glowing red eyes that are quintessential in your Black Goblin dog. He prowls the streets and fields, the countryside, the coastal areas at night, but also sometimes in the daytime. Um, Now, like I said, towns and villages all over East Anglia claim, have claims of seeing them, even more into the modern time. So when I was looking, there were accounts in the 1970s. Um, There was an account of an old man saying he saw old Shuck go into a church and pee on it. Oh, you know, that's, this is this is showing wow. you this is an evil dog. Yeah, no doubt. Because he, he went in the church. Sext, sextons hate them. So, um, <laughs> so you know, they saw them again. Not something you want to see because these are omens of death. Seeing these dogs can be an omen of your death or the death of someone else. Now. In 1577, on August the 4th, an English clergyman named Abraham Fleming writes of this encounter with old Shuck that chills him to the bone. And he titles this, you ready for it? Mm. A strange and terrible wonder wrought very late in the parish church of Bungie. (laughs) (laughs) Wrought very late. Um, And Fleming details this fiercely dark and stormy Sunday, which is not just regular rain. I mean, this is a dark rain and lightning crashing all around. So they're having this terrible storm. And in the middle of the storm, he writes, and I had to do some changing of this because I don't read English from 1577 quite easily. It just doesn't flow off the tongue. Mm. So I had to change some words to more modern English, just letting y'all know. Um, he says, immediately hereupon, there appeared in a most horrible similitude and likeness to the congregation then and there present, a dog, as they might discern it, of a black color. At the sight we together with the fearful flashes of fire, which were then seen moved such admiration in the minds of the assembly that they thought doomsday was already come. This black dog or the devil in such a likeness, God, he knoweth all who worketh all running along down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste among the people in a visible form and shape passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees and occupied in prayer as it seemed, wrung the necks of them both 
at one instant, clean backwards, insomuch that even at the moment where they kneeled, they strangely died. So you kind of strung, you struck gold with that story. Wow. Where did you find that? Uh, the, the interwebs. <laughs> um, so he says that this hellhound has come in. So, you know, he talks about it and how they were killed in prayer. And then he says in the next breath, which kind of made me laugh. This is a wonderful example of God's wrath. No doubt to terrify us that we might fear him for his justice or pulling back our footsteps from the path of sin to love him for his mercy. <laughs> Okay, so there's no doubt that that man was on the Calvinist side of the uh, <laughs> theological struggles of England in the 16th century. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. So, you know, he's like, yay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sinners in the hand of an angry dog. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, but this isn't all. The story doesn't stop there. He actually, um, after he says how happy he is that the dog showed God's wrath, um, he says that Shuck does some more terrifying. He's not done. He actually runs um, to the church of the most holy trinity in a nearby town called Blytheborough, where he kills two more people. And so he's killed four people. He mangles a man. They find a man burnt in the first church, Goodness. but he's alive. And then what he does in Blytheborough is he marks the front door of the church with his sinister claws. And it's said that it can still be seen to this day, the claw marks. So you can actually go on a tour. Um, wow. Yeah, you can go hang out, go on a tour, see these claw marks where old shuck has set to be so i thought that sounds like a fun jackalope carnival trip in the future maybe sure <laughs> i mean well right i think we have some closer by places uh, to knock off the list first and we will we will um so you'd think with all the scary goblin dogs running around um people would be really i don't know goblin dog averse but no yet another incarnation of the black spirit dog is going to be the church grim and I'm wondering if this is kind of a fire with fire idea hmm. because the church grim is a black dog. That's the guardian of a churchyard. Right. He's it, our black dog. He's the blaze, the like, he's the spirit dog that works for us. Um, it protects the dead from evildoers. Um, it protects them from witches, wizards, warlocks, and keeps watch over the graves. So this is a graveyard guardian and protector. This is where the Harry Potter padfoot kind of sounds mm. similar. I read that in Scotland that this was the job of a person of the first person buried in the newly hallowed ground. Wow, you don't get to rest. You got work to do. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, you can imagine people are like, uh, yeah, I'll I'll wait. <laughs> like, You're right. Just keep me. <laughs> You like leave it for that real that person who like always is like doing stuff and has like tons of energy. You're like, I, I don't know. So perhaps dogs um, were used to keep people from this fate. So somehow maybe someone decided that if the first person to die was an animal, like that animal would do it. Who knows? Okay. I, this is where I said I find this really interesting, and I'd actually like to look at more ancient um, origins of some of these stories because they definitely have Celtic and pagan. Not just, you know, within Britain or the British Isles, but definitely have these older European roots. 
Right. I can only imagine that they're exactly that these stories go back long before the Christian era. Well, and the and the Grimm is also found, they're saying, in Scandinavian countries. So I think it's mm-hmm. called a Kirkengrim in Denmark. I could be wrong on that. Um or and they also have them in Sweden. So this idea of this church guardian, which, you know, uh, we talked about before, I think at one point grave robbing was kind of rife. So you didn't just need the guardian for supernatural evil. You needed the guardian for humans. Um, and so people would maybe be afraid if they thought there was the spectral beast guarding over so the only way, because I was like, well, how does one get rid of the Grimm? Like, what if you're the church Grimm and you're stuck there um, and, you know, you're the person and you don't want to do this? And they said, they said online, Google said, the only <laughs> way. What are they saying? St. Google said, the only way to get rid of a church Grimm is to raise the church and to deconsecrate the grounds. I was going to guess that, yeah. Yeah, so you might be in servitude for a long time. But then I kind of thought like maybe Henry VIII did a lot of church grims some favors when he dissolved the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, <right>. upside. Well, <laughs> truth be told, that would be more like um, that would be more of an Oliver Cromwell thing, right? Because uh-uh. that would have seen like the kind of superstition he would have taken quite personally and whitewashed yeah, something over. He does. Maybe dissolve the monasteries is all you needed to do. Like I, I don't know, but I'm sure yeah. he would have said that these these guardian dugs smelt of potpourri. <laughs> of the unwashed. Right. So one of the darker sides of this church grim story um, is actually that they would kill and bury a dog in the graveyard for this job. Oh, well that's sad. Yeah, so this would be um well, sad unless you had to have the job, right? <laughs> you're on your deathbed. You're like, kill the dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm, if so, it's a big enough village, you just get a donation from somebody who's like losing a beloved pet, you know? Well, I also was reading and, and it was kind of on – it was off the topic, but it was actually like at some point they used to put lambs under the altar. This, you, this is the literal first time I've ever heard this one. Okay, well, I, uh, some of us are I mean, clergy, some of us aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's it's not true. I'm just saying it's the first time hearing of it. I mean, yeah, I think we, so yeah, I hadn't really heard much about sacrifices under churches until I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we all know about. I mean, we all know about the the body parts of saints. I mean, yes, that's yes. common knowledge. I mean, I that's a little different. Yeah, it's human body parts instead of lambs. Well, but... they weren't killed for the church. No, no, no. Well, I mean, okay. they were killed for the church, <laughs> as in the church. Right, you put the emphasis on the wrong, wrong word there. Anyhow, so <laughs> this brings me... Back around. <laughs> this brings me to um, Wales, which... The legends there, I almost don't want to say it because my Welsh pronunciation is so terrible. Um, and I know enough to know this. I've been to Wales. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Wales has its own legends of spectral dogs. And a few of them are similar to the bar guests, such as the, oh, no. It's, I'm going to spell it for you. And then I'm going to make an attempt to pronounce it and apologize profusely I got um, to anyone who speaks Welsh. Okay. So it's spelled G W Y L L G I. And from best I can tell, Gwishki, um, and that's a black dog of Wales. It's similar. It stalks people. It haunts. Sometimes it attacks people. Um, the name actually means the dog of darkness or the dog of twilight. 
Wow. So so it sparkles. No, I was not. <laughs> you had me there for a second, but okay. No, it is it is called the dog of twilight. Um, uh-huh. But you know, sometimes it's a black dog. Sometimes it's a wolf-like creature. When it's a dog, it's more often a mastiff. I don't know why, but I pictured the other black dogs to be more lab-like. Hmm. That's just my own interpretation. Okay. But I, I picture them as like kind of like very large, like um, mixed breed dogs. I don't know why. Be. Like like fluffy with like long skinny legs, but like pure black. I don't know why that is, but that's that's what I picture. And what do you and wonder what our listeners are picturing when they're seeing this? I wonder if people are like, yes, black, a herd of black chihuahuas. Right. I mean, and I love chihuahuas, but let's face it: if you say goblin dog. Mm, what's the first thing you're thinking? Black chihuahuas would be ter- a herd of black chihuahuas would be terrifying. It'd be like spectral piranhas. Yeah, they're they're a bit they're ferocious little yeah, chihuahuas. I'd love to have one. Not gonna lie. <laughs> but so I actually have a Jack Russell, which are also like tiny uh, balls of ferocity, ter- ferocity, terror. Um. So what I found interesting, though, is that this seems to come from another myth. And this is the one where I'm going to completely butcher this word. Um, and the the word, again, I'm going to read it to you, and then I will try poorly to pronounce it. But is C-W-N-A-N-N-W-N, um, which for all my efforts at this is Kun Anun. Um, and the hounds, which means the hounds of a noon. And these are spectral hounds from the other world in Welsh mythology. So this is going to be pre-Christian myth. And these hounds are going to be associated with the king of a noon um, and the wild hunt. And the wild hunt is something that is in all a lot of different areas in Europe in the myths. So these are pre-Christian myths and they are this spectral hunt in the sky. And if you see them or get in their way, um, you're toast. (laughs) So this, and these dogs accompany the wild hunts. They're hunting dogs. They ride in the sky. Some say they're fairy spirits. Some say they're spirits of the dead. Some say they're spirits of people like maybe you got in the way of the wild hunt and now you have to serve the wild hunt. Um, So different countries have different ideas about how this exactly the wild hunt goes. It's kind of like the ghost riders in the sky, isn't it? Yes. And now that song is going to be stuck in my head. You're welcome. If, you know, and for listeners, if you've never heard ghost riders in the sky, you should Google that. But these, this is, version. yeah, this is where I get, makes me start to think more about its pre-Christianity and maybe with the ideas that people had when Christianity comes to the British Isles, when Christianity comes to Northern Europe of these pre-Christian ideas being somehow wrong or having these animals of legend somehow change from being, you know, part Maybe take on a sinister, there you go with left-handed again, but maybe take on more sinister um, ideology than they had before. Hmm. So I am interested in learning more on this topic. Um, I didn't even get to Germany. And when I was looking into 
Germany, there was, I think I told you, there's an assortment of wolves um, that guard fields and there's like a different wolf for each different type of grain. And I freaking love that. <laughs> so, yes, that is awesome. Maybe at another time, we'll have to revisit some of these, um, maybe do a deeper dive into some of these stories. Of right. We basically haven't dogs. left the, the, the British Isles, have we? I mean, we really haven't. And um, that's just because there was so much there. And so as you were talking in the last episode about cats and ancient Egypt, um, obviously in ancient Egypt, the black dog would be Anubis and he is depicted in pretty much all funerary art, I, which I saw recently a lot of when I went to that exhibit I talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, older cultures, black dogs also had a lot of significance and somehow they ended up being something that is a little more scary. It's interesting though today, because I think more so than being depression, even though we know that that idea of depression and the black dog is still there. Dogs are thought of as being our best friends. Dogs have taken on more of the guardian protector companion. And they always have been. I mean, we've bred dogs specifically for different, I mean, even different guardian gigs, right? Different breeds are bred to be guardians of sheep or guardians of like the butcher shop. Yeah. And it was interesting. um, One of the things I was reading when I was reading about old shuck was that they had found, forgive me, because I don't remember which newspaper article I was reading, but they had found the bones of a dog buried in a church. And they actually believed it to have been a beloved pet. Hmm. They said it was about the size of a Great Dane. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were talking about even at the time period that they had found it, pets would have been held in high regard. And another off that I was reading about, there was, I can't remember which prince, maybe it was Anyway, there was a scandal because uh, a royal had loved his dog too much, and they kind of were trying to make it a scandal with witchcraft, like his dog was somehow involved in witchcraft and his love for his dog was unnatural. All right. Yeah. I was wondering whether or not we were going to go across the pond and talk about hellhounds at all, because, you know, my constant effort to... I mean, Eric, we can do a whole season on dog lore. Yeah. You know, I I really always want to drag like the folklore of the southern United States. Well, no. And and in Cherokee, there's a for a Cherokee legend. There's a story about how um, the dog saves the people from the flood. The dog warns of the deluge. So, Hmm. yeah. Anyhow. Well. Thanks for listening. I hope you love your cats and dogs if you have them. And stay tuned for the next few weeks. We'll have a new episode out there for you. Also, we're on Instagram at Jackalope Carnival. And we love suggestions. So feel free to message us. All right. Take care, folks. Jackalope Carnival.